All right, it seems like just yesterday the Rangers uh, were losing that heartbreaking Game 7 to the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Eastern Conference Finals at MSG, and the devastation, uh, it was still fresh for quite a while, but here we are, Rangers kicking off the 2015-16 season in Chicago against the Blackhawks. Uh, it seems like just yesterday now that that's last season was winding up, but with the short off season, when you head to the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, once again, get the short off season, the regular season kicks off right away. And uh, for some teams, it's even shorter. And one of those teams is the Blackhawks coming off yet another Stanley Cup championship. Joining me today to talk Rangers Blackhawks with the NHL season about to get underway is uh, Ryan Brandell. You know him as Barstool Chief over on Barstool Sports Chicago. You can check him out there. Uh, Ryan, how's it going today? It's going great. Listening to you describe uh, how last season played out put a smile on my face. It's always a little bit better when an outsider has to stomach uh, what <laughs> happened to him. So now, yeah. and now we kick it off uh, tomorrow night and we get the matchup that everybody really wanted, which was uh, New York and Chicago. We just get it, uh, you know, four months later than you probably wanted. Well, the sad thing is, you know, when we started doing these two seasons ago, we talked, um, you know, mid-season, then around the Olympics, and we talked about how uh, it would be great to get a Rangers-Blackhawks final, and I think, you know, at that time, the Rangers making the final was not even in the realm of possibility. They were an average, maybe just above average team, the Blackhawks. Uh, we're the we're the best of the best in the league, and we got the Rangers in the final. The Blackhawks just missed with a Game Seven loss. Then last year, you hold up your end of the bargain. The Blackhawks get in. The the Rangers suffer a devastating home Game Seven loss. So uh, we've come close both times, but you know I feel like if third, we don't get third time's the charm. That's got to be it. Got to be this year. <laughs> yeah, and I, but I feel like at the same time, if we don't get it this year. Or, you know, I think we have three years here maybe where we have a chance to get this or we might not get it at all. Although we've talked about that in the past too, where the window is closing. So maybe closing a little bit more rapidly for for the Rangers than it is for the Hawks. I actually still feel pretty good tasting Kane, uh, provided Kane can stay out of jail. Uh, They have eight years left. Duncan Keith is locked up. Seabrook is locked up. Uh, And they just keep turning out uh, guys like Teravainen and, um, you know, they have other young prospects coming. So they should, Hawks should be here for a while. I, I do hope the Rangers can uh, live up to their end because, uh, like you said, we've been close a few times and it would have, been a, would have been a lot of fun to have New York and Chicago go at it. Yeah, and I meant, you know, from a strictly a Rangers perspective where the window's closing because the window seems to be open on the Blackhawks and it doesn't seem like they'll be going anywhere anytime soon. And I know – for you as a as a you know a Cubs baseball fan, you wouldn't want to hear this, but it seems like the Blackhawks are now the Cardinals of baseball, where they have that same <laughs> core in place. Not not from a fan perspective, like not as okay. annoying, but they have the same core in place. And the, the Blackhawks every offseason just get rid of these key core players. They go sign big deals elsewhere, and the Blackhawks just keep churning out new guys to fit. You know, not only role playing in third and fourth line roles, but first and second line roles. And as the league sort of develops into a complete roster where you need four lines. You don't have the grinder enforcer role uh, strictly for that anymore on the third and fourth line. But the Blackhawks, I mean, they just plug every hole with a guy who is very capable of plugging those holes. Yeah, I mean, they've had to kind of go outside their own system here this year. Um, Having, uh, you know, the brand side trade, obviously they had to do some dismantling thanks to the uh, salary cap. And then they even signed a couple guys from the KHL. That they're hoping can help them, but yeah, they they've done it. I mean, there's no complaints over here coming off our third Stanley Cup. They've done a great job of uh, uh, restocking the the cupboard and keeping this thing on the rails. So you got to credit to uh, 
the leadership uh, from Stan Bowman and Rocky Wirtz uh, all the way down to Q. Like that's the one area they've had plenty of continuity is uh, the front office and the coaching staff, and and then obviously they have plenty of plenty of talent in their own leadership core. They've got uh, I believe six guys left that have won the cup three times. So I mean it's not great, but it's better than most. So. Um, so yeah, Hawks are Hawks are looking great. They're calling us the Cardinals, full oh, <laughs> I mean that that's enough to. I mean, I almost hung up the phone when you made that comparison. I was like, do I want to stay on this on this hostile podcast with this guy who's going to compare me to Cardinals fans? Well, I knew you wouldn't appreciate that, but you look at uh, the Rangers and and the way the Blackhawks sort of find guys in their own system to plug holes. The Rangers turn elsewhere, and I know that they're sort of trying to pick up the Blackhawks trash and hope it's their own reward. Uh, and you look at what the, now the Rangers are turning in, and after really, you know, the Nash, Zuccarello, Broussard line, you've got Stefan Kreider and Hayes. Things get a little iffy after that, and uh, you know, I, I've seen you uh, sort of answer a lot of questions about the play of, of Victor Stahlberg and how he would fit in, and and you've sort of said uh, it's sort of a buyer's beware market with him because eventually everyone will just be disappointed, and almost makes me feel like he'll just be Benoit Pouliot 2.0. Yeah, that, that's not a bad comparison. Just uh, the thing with Stahlberg is, is he's not he's not a bump. Like he, he'll, he'll show these flashes where like this guy should be a superstar. And when he was in Chicago, I always used to say that if you could take Ben Smith, I don't know if you still remember him or not. Uh, he's with San Jose now, but he uh, played several years with the Hawks. He's an undersized guy. But if you could take his brain and heart and put it in Stahlberg's body, you'd have a 40-goal scorer every year. Because Stahlberg has a really good shot. He's got incredible straight-ahead speed. He's 6'3", you know, well over 200 pounds. He's a big, strong guy. He just is a turnover machine. So he makes costly errors that, you know, give the puck away. He, it sounds like a basketball thing, but shot selection is a problem for him. It's like, what are you doing? You know, let the play develop. And, uh, you know, he's been, he signed a pretty big deal, uh, with Nashville after the Hawks won it in 2013. And then they ended up shipping him down to their minor league team, paying him $4 million a year to pay to play in uh, the American Hockey League. So, uh, Victor Stahlberg, preseason is probably a time where you're like, wow, we got something because that's when he's going to shine against some lesser players, uh, where everything's a little bit healthier sculptor in terms of somatics anyways. But once you put him in a structure, he can't seem to either figure it out or have the uh, desire to really uh, commit to a, a defensive structure and even a, even an offensive structure that focuses on puck control. So he might be able to help your fourth line a little bit if, uh, if he's hungry. But on the on the on the, for the most part, he's going to really disappoint you because he's going to make you think he has so much more and you'll just never see what the uh, full package really should be. Well, for the Blackhawks filling out their roster, they've got former Ranger Artem Anisimov, who I was a big fan of when he was here. Um, they eventually traded him to the Blue Jackets, and now he's with Chicago, so I'm sure he'll be like Brad Richards and uh, pick up a ring this season. But, <laughs> you know, Anisimov, everyone will always remember his goal celebration against the Lightning, which was just awesome. And uh, I feel like we need more of that in the league, even though it led to, you know, nearly a bench clearing ball. But uh, really, when you look at these two teams, I mean, for the most part, everything is close to the same as far as you want. I guess, you know, 
maybe Patrick Sharp, obviously no longer on the team. I know he's a huge fan favorite out there, especially among you and the other Barstool guys. But uh, it's hard to really dig into this because we haven't seen Rangers Blackhawks this early in the season really ever. And uh, it just... I don't know, it's weird to talk about what to expect or what not to expect when it's game one of 82 and we've got, you know, nine more months of this to go after tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, especially with the Hawks because they've had so much roster turnover. So, like you said, Sharp's gone, Oduya's gone, uh, Brandon Saad is gone, Richards is gone, Vermette is gone. So they have, like, half of their team um, from last year. Half, you know, guys that played pivotal roles are, are elsewhere. So... Then the, the guys they brought in, they signed the guy from the KHL who uh, came over very, very highly touted, very skilled. This guy, uh, Artie Panarin, but he only played one preseason game because he was nicked up. So we haven't even really seen him all that much in the preseason. So you don't know what to expect of him. The big guy that they got, um, the big trade chip they got from Brandon Saad, didn't even make the team. So, like, everybody, you know, they had this guy, Marco Deneau, kind of penciled in maybe on the first line three weeks ago, and now he's in Rockford. So the Hawks, I mean, you know they're going to be good just because the main core guys are so awesome. Like, they're too good to not make the playoffs with just those guys. But it still remains to be seen whether or not they're going to be a contender with, you know, you said Arya Nisimov's coming over um, from Columbus in that Brandon Sandre as well. So he, I'm actually kind of excited about him. I think he's a pretty solid player and uh, should maybe have a little bit more offensive success since he'll be playing with Patrick Kane so much and fall backwards at the points play with, uh, with Kane. So hopefully he'll have a kind of a more offensive role than he's seen in other places. But really, I mean, it's that, that Blackhawks depth of scoring that they've had for so long, um, we don't know if that's there or not this year. Well, Three cups in six seasons, and now you're looking at a game on October 7th with such a long way to go till mid-April when, when the postseason starts. And, you know, coming back from you know, the Yankees dynasty, I know we talked about this way in the past, and the Blackhawks trying to sort of create their own, and they certainly have done so. Um, it got to the point, you know, in the early 2000s where regular season games were, were fun and everything, but they didn't matter, and it was just sort of a matter of, staying healthy, making sure your rotation was set at the end of September for October, and you go from there. So how do you get up now for an October 7th game, aside from raising the banner? I mean, how do you get through the regular season when you're winning a Stanley Cup every other year for the last six seasons? That's a great question. <laughs> because uh, I've said to everybody, like, because the Cubs have their uh, wild card game that night as well. Uh, so it's a big night here for sports in Chicago. And I think, you know, I'll watch the pregame stuff. Uh, with the Blackhawks raising the banner, like that's going to be great. It should be a fun, you know, fun environment. But I'm not going to the game kind of by choice, and because I want to see the Cubs. So I think that's kind of how the whole city is that we're going to put our focus on the Cubs for right now. And there are some minor roster moves the Hawks made today, sending you know one guy down, bringing another guy up, and it's just and uh, there people are freaking out about the lines. And I'm like, I do not care. <laughs> I don't care about. You know, the fringe defenseman that gets sent down. I don't care who Coach Q is really throwing out there in terms of line. They're going to figure it out. This is like, I don't want to like talk about like the Stanley Cup stuff, you know, too much. But when we were at the party, I was talking to Sharp and the Hawks last year went through a lull for, from basically, from basically January 
almost until the whole playoffs. But really, it was really January, mid-January, all the way through the end of March. They kind of picked it up at the end of March. But it was like a two-and-a-half-month uh, lull. And Patrick Sharp, like, at the cup party, was like, who cares about February and March? <laughs> and, and it was like, great point. So if, if Patrick Sharp doesn't care about those months because they know that they'll, they have what it takes and they'll just turn it on when it counts, then how am I supposed to care as a fan sitting on the couch. I, I just don't. Like, I have so much faith in Coach Q and Taze and, and Sam Bowman to make the moves at the deadline if they feel they need it, that they'll be in it at the end, that I just, like, I cannot, like, I'm excited to see the banner go up. Like, that'll they always do an awesome job with that. They do, like, crazy laser light shows, and they pass, like, they pass, like, these glow stick things out to the fans last time. We do this all the time. So, I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting something awesome. Uh, again this year, but it's just like after that, like I don't really care. I'm not going to worry about anything until probably January. Like I'll watch every game and I'm going to enjoy every game, but I'm not going to like get bent out of shape, worried about the Hawks, you know, for at least another four months. Like it, it's it just it's impossible to care when you know nothing matters until April. Yeah, and I feel like it's completely the opposite here because. The Rangers, I mean, now in the Metro with Pittsburgh revamping, the Islanders still coming up, the Capitals proving that they'll, you know, be around for a while now. Um, really, you know, that division is so tough where every game matters, and it's not going to be the situation where the Blackhawks, where they can sort of take these lulls and these four or five game losing streaks and then rip off, you know, 14 out of 15. Uh, the Rangers, you know, had success doing that last year, but I wouldn't really bank on that this year if I was them. And, and you look at the Metro, it just seems like it's going to be incredibly hard to, to get back to where they were last year, um, even for as good and how deep as their roster is. Yeah, see, I, I'm kind of going through our Metro preview uh, podcast as well. And I talked to the Flyers guy last night, so I kind of looked at that division uh, closely the last couple of days. I actually think the Central is better um, than the Metro. I think the Metro has five really good teams. They're all kind of about the same. And then they got some teams that are terrible, like Carolina, uh, New Jersey, and um, I feel like there's there's some bottom feeders in that Metro division that like you know that you're going to be able to beat up on Philly, Philly, New Jersey, and Carolina. Like those teams stink. The Central doesn't really have that. The Central has like seven teams that will, can legitimately make the playoffs, but it's it's going to come down to the Pittsburgh. Columbus, Islanders, Rangers, and Caps. Like, that's five really good teams. And I can see you can make an argument for any one of those teams winning that division. Well, I hope this year, I know last year you were high on the Panthers, high on the Red Wings. The Panthers' demise uh, ended before the playoffs. The Red Wings uh, blew it in, against the Lightning. And, and really, that changed everything because had they not, you know, maybe the Rangers go on to reach the Stanley Cup. And uh, because the Lightning wouldn't have been there. But I'm hoping this year maybe you can jump on the Islanders early for us, maybe Washington. Uh, <laughs> well, let's, let's clarify things a little bit on that. I feel like I was right about both of those picks that you highlighted. Florida was much better than everyone thought, and they maybe they make the playoffs if Milano doesn't get hurt down the stretch. And they were very close as it was. And everyone was picking Detroit to miss it for the first time in 26 years. And they made the playoffs. Now, I was higher on Detroit than most, uh, even going into the playoffs. So, But I do think that I was high on Detroit. I'm still high on Detroit. I'm going to go to the bank on Detroit every single year until they prove me wrong. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I think I, 
I like Columbus as my team in the Metro. If you want me to pick a team to, to supposedly jinx, uh, it would be Columbus this year. I have them. I have the Capitals winning the division, which I hate the Capitals, but I think that they'll be a great regular season team. Then the Rangers, then the Blue Jackets, uh, Islanders fourth, and Pittsburgh actually missing the playoffs. Wow. I feel like the Columbus, they're going to do it to themselves. I need your powerful mushness to go after. Like, they're Columbus, can they'll take care of themselves down the stretch. I have no worries about that. But you got to – I need you to attack the Islanders or Washington. Get get one of those two out of there. I I think Columbus has – they might sneaky be the best team in that whole division. I think they've got just about everything. Uh, and they're a hard-working group. They were so beat up last year. They missed so they missed more games to injury than any team in the league. I want to say, and now that they you get all those guys back healthy, plus Brandon Saad, plus another year of development for Ryan Murray on the blue line is like like kind of the true top pairing guy. Watch out! I think I think you're sleeping on Columbus. I think Columbus is is the real deal. They got the real they got real goaltending too. I think they're a, I think they're a lock for the playoffs. I I think the Islanders are a bubble team. I think those top three, Washington Rangers and Columbus, are going to be in. And then the Islanders and Pittsburgh are kind of going to be battling for the, uh, with each other for that last spot. I usually save some time for us to talk a little uh, Corey Crawford and, uh, and, and my <laughs> feelings on him. We can go down that road. I'd be happy to talk about <laughs> well, Corey Well, based on, based on his last summer, I, I think we'll wait. We'll wait for later on in the year, maybe when he gets benched again in the postseason and gets carried by uh, you know the rest of the deepest team in the league to another Stanley Cup. But to keep it positive, you know, how long does a Stanley Cup hangover or you know joy last? I mean – do you do you live off that through the following season? Is it gone? You know, once preseason starts, once regular season starts, how long can the cup run carry you through the next season? Uh, it ended pretty abruptly this this summer, actually, just because it was such a uh, tumultuous off season in a lot of ways. So off the ice, the Kane stuff was obviously terrible, um, and you know who knows what's going to happen with that. Um, but it seems like it's kind of quieting down a little bit. And then uh, the roster turnover. Like I thought, Brandon Saad would be here forever, and uh, you know, I was really excited to watch him just become Marion Hosa and, and fill that role at Hosa ages. So I was kind of I was shocked to see him go. We kind of knew Patrick Sharp was going, but it, it was like when July first rolled around when all those deals were going down. It was like, oh crap! Like the season really is over. So it was like a, it was like a great couple of weeks, and then. Um, but moving forward after that, you know, the official end of the season after the draft and after the uh, free agency open was kind of tough. But uh, so it, it, it wasn't like 2013 where, you, you know, it was like you knew they were going to be right back there again and the whole team was basically back. This one, this one, the summer was shorter because they kept peeling guys off the team. Well, for Chicago sports fans or, uh, you know, at, at least for you being the Blackhawks, uh, Cubs, Bears guy and uh you know, the Bears, they stink. The, the Cubs usually stink, but now you get the Wednesday night one-game playoff on the same night that the Blackhawks raised the banner at home. I feel like they sort of did the Blackhawks a disservice here because they've sort of kept the sports scene in Chicago going along in these last few years, and here they are, and they're going to be overshadowed by the Cubs' first playoff game since 2008. Yeah, and uh, they made an announcement today that all of the, all the bars in the concourse at the United Center will be showing the Cubs game 
And then in between periods, they'll be showing it on the uh, the Jumbotron over Sunrise. So I think it's it, there, there's like an ad campaign, not an ad campaign, but um, a little campaign on social media between the Cubs and the Blackhawks, saying one team, one city, one goal, or whatever like that. And uh, so I think they both support each other. And the Bears actually had the, the Blackhawks out for a big celebration uh, before the game on Sunday. The, I would actually credit the Blackhawks with that win. Uh, because you know, there's no way they're winning without Taves on the sideline in a Bears uniform, so um, so that was good. And uh, but yeah, I think I don't think anyone really even minds because, like, kind of like what we were saying before, no one really, like, everyone like loves the Hawks now. They're the toast of the town, like you said. But it's so old hat that we're not really gonna get worked up until March. I'll say March, but it's really probably closer to April. So. <laughs> This is Cubs time. The Cubs own this city. I think people are, you know, it's been 108 years since they've won. Uh, people are ready for that. And I think there's, like, cautious um, optimism about the Cubs, too, that this actually might be the year for real. So I think people are kind of excited about that. And even Brent Seabrook was like, yeah, we'll be checking on it right as soon as we're done. Like, so even, even the players are excited for the Cubs as well. Well, you look at New York, and they would that would never fly. The Rangers, you know, they're hoisting the banner. They're never going to play the Yankees on the big screen because half their fan base is probably Mets fans. And, you know, yeah. you look at Chicago, and it has that weird dynamic where it's not New York with two teams in every sport. It's not Boston where everyone loves just one team. Uh, the Cubs and the White Sox sort of make that hard. So, you know, I, I remember I talked to, to White Sox Dave uh, on a podcast in the summer when the Yankees played the White Sox, and, he, you know, gave us uh, his take and his hatred for the Cubs. So it seems, uh, it seems kind of weird that you know the Blackhawks are going to do this. I understand. It seems like, at least to me, that there's more Cubs fans and they're a bigger deal than the White Sox. But there's going to be a lot of White Sox fans at the game where Blackhawks fans. I guess at this point, they just have to deal with it. We don't want those White Sox fans to see them anyway. So <laughs> I think the White Sox are like the redhead stepchild, like. They're a professional They're sports fan, team in, in this city, kind of. You know, like it's like I remember a couple of years ago, like I someone offered uh, me tickets to the Cubs White Sox, and well, this was last year actually. So I'm like, that's awesome, I'll take them. And for whatever reason, they had played the the Crosstown Classic, which they call it here. Um, they, they had played like two games in Wrigley and one game in in uh, the White Sox Stadium, and I in a three-game series, and I was thinking I was going to Wrigley when I took the tickets, and when I like, got the tickets and looked at them, I'm like, oh, crap, like, I gotta go to, <laughs> I gotta go to the White Sox, like, to White Sox Stadium, so it was like, it just took, takes all the wind out of your sails, and you have to, uh, to really, you know, go to the White Sox, and no one really cares about them, you know, the Cubs, it's a Cubs town, a Bears town, and now it's a Hawks town, the White Sox, and the Bulls, to a certain extent, are, are an afterthought. Yeah, I could see that, and I feel like, you know, because of the Cubs, it's been so long, and uh, being there, I was there in August, I went to Wrigley for the first time, and uh, it is a special environment around there, um, it is unlike anything else, really, it's 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 a little cooler than Fenway, just the area around it, there's, there's much more to do, um, it's definitely cleaner than that area as well, uh, but, yeah, you know, at the same time, you know, I here I am pulling for the Pirates, because I feel like... Some things in life need to stay the same, and one of those is the Cubs not winning. <laughs> Come on. It, it, the Cubs have to win it. If they can't win it with this group, like it, it, 
I've been joking on Twitter that we got a dueling dynasty going on uh, with the Cubs and and uh, and Blackhawks, saying that the Cubs basically have to start somewhere. Like this, their dynasty, like they this group has to win it. It seems like they're destined to win it. They got COS team. He broke the Red Sox curse. They just have the right players, and they're just such a fun team that it, it seems like this has to be the year. And now, of course, they're probably going to go out and get swept by the Cardinals after they beat Pittsburgh. But it, it, there is, like, this it, it is a sense of inevit- inevitability with the Cubs. Like, this Chris Bryant, Rizzo, this group is going to happen. Like, they're going to make it happen. I feel like, actually, I'll take that back. I am rooting for them to beat the Pirates because uh, Garrett Cole, he, he got drafted by the Yankees in the first round and went and decided to go to UCLA and then was, you know, so nasty there. He ended up getting the first overall pick to the Pirates. So he could be starting the one-game playoff for the Yankees tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that's, that's, that's unfortunate because <laughs> now you're, your, other, your number two, your other aces checked himself into rehab right before the playoffs. Yeah, wow. and that's and that's certainly unfortunate as well. But then I think about it, and if I don't want the Cubs to win, and if I want them to beat the Pirates, then they have to play the Cardinals after the Red Sox and Mets. I hate the Cardinals the most of any team because of their 0-4 and uh, 2013 losses to the Red Sox. So, uh, and then and then it's almost at the point where you know I'm rooting for the Dodgers second because of my girlfriend is from LA and a Dodgers fan, and also Don Mattingly. And then it yeah. comes down to Cubs, Dodgers. I'd want the Dodgers to win. Just got to get the Mets out. Anyone that can get the Mets out, I'll root for. Uh, if you know, if after the Yankees, if they get eliminated, the next step is getting the Mets out. So if the Cubs can do that, I'm all for the Cubs. Well, I, I hope Chicago can help you with that. I feel like the Mets might just get themselves out. This is, <laughs> I feel like every day the Mets and the Yankees are like competing to see who can be the biggest uh, clusterfuck here because. This Matt Harvey thing that broke today, when he just skipped the practice, and the manager was like, I don't know, maybe he was late, maybe he was on party night before. That's for you guys to figure out. <laughs> and then see if he's actually going to rehab. It's like New York baseball is not what it used to be. No, it's not. And and even if, you know, even the mo- most minor storylines, they blow up in the thing. So to have something where, you know, your $23 million pitcher is checking stuff in the rehab on the off day between the regular season and the one-game playoff, or in the Mets case where your you know supposed cornerstone of the franchise from a pitching perspective is skipping a, a mandatory workout because of traffic, uh, they're obviously going to blow up into way bigger things. Even as uh, you know, right. I remember when A Rod was first for years here uh, was sunbathing, <laughs> like tanning. I don't even know what you would call what he's doing. He just had no shirt on and was laying on a rock in Central Park the day of a game. And then he went like 0 for 4 that night, and you know people killed him for months over something so stupid. So to to have CC and Harvey back to back days is certainly a crazy storyline. But I feel like the one thing you know fr- from my perspective and someone who has you know followed this Cubs story from where they were a few years ago to now where they've gotten to, and signing John Lester in the off season, and now he's not going to pitch the one game playoff a year after he blew the one game playoff for the A's and Jake Arrieta gets the ball, and no one can really fault that decision because of how good Arrieta's been, but uh, it's got to be tough to see John Lester, you know, your prized possession there, sitting on the bench in the in a do-or-die situation in the biggest Cubs game in seven years. Arietta's that good. Like, I don't think there's any uh, disputing who the aces of this team. Like he's His second half was the best second half by a pitcher since, like, 1913. Like, like he had a historically great season. I think he's the best pitcher in baseball. There's nobody I'd rather have 
picking a one-game playoff than Jake Arrieta. So, uh, like, it's Lester is great to have number two. He can open up that Cardinal series. You feel good about that with all the playoff success that he's had. But for a one-game spot where you have to win, Arietta's the guy. Like, he's – and he just looks like that big, mean, bearded Texas fireball thrower that you want and that's the power pitcher that you want. And so Arietta's the guy. I couldn't be more excited to watch him pitch tomorrow night. He has dominated the Pirates this year. So I don't think that was even a consideration. Like, he's so good that you're very comfortable having Lester just be the, the – the number two. I don't think anyone, uh, I don't even think Wesley would dispute that. Arietta should win the Cy Young and, and eventually he'll win the World Series MVP too. So. I know from following, you know, you on Twitter or other Barstool guys, it seems like the overall theme is, is overconfidence. And it seems like the Cubs fans think they could win, the Mets fans think they could win. Um, you know, I, I just feel like really Yankees fans as a whole are the only people that are sort of down on their team. And, and maybe it's because they're used to going to the playoffs. Maybe it's because you know, the Mets haven't been there since 06. The Cubs haven't been there since 08. But, you know, only one team can win. And for all this confidence to be floating around the baseball world, it's kind of crazy. I think that, I, I think, number one, I think you guys, the Yankee fans, are realistic because you look at their team, they stink. They have Ellsbury <laughs> there. Their prize outfielder is not even in the lineup. So they, they have their own problems. I don't think anyone really just even takes them seriously. The Cubs, like I said, like people are optimistic. I I would be shocked if they lost to Pittsburgh. Like I like I would, I just don't see that happening. I would, I'm scared to death for the Cardinals because the Cardinals just find a way to win. Like they're the big brother. Like they're they've been there before. They've won before. They've owned the Cubs for at least a hundred years, literally. So um, I'm I'm petrified of the Cardinals. Like I have no idea. Like realistically, I have no idea how that series is going to go. I'm hopeful, but but not necessarily optimistic. But I think the Mets fans, like, that is 100% false bravado. Like, those guys, like, they're not that good either. And they got their issues with Harvey. It seems like they have some clubhouse issues. Their manager, Terry Collins, is a moron. Like, like that guy's going to cost them the game with the decision of the playoffs. Like, that's going to happen. And you can't, like, you know, baseball playoffs are so tight that you can't have little mistakes by your manager because that's how you lose the World Series. So... I feel good about Joe Madden. I feel good about the Cubs. But, yeah, you're right. In general, I think everyone is, you know, at least putting on a, a, a happy face, a confident face. But deep down, where we don't really like to talk about, which is that St. Louis area, at least in Chicago, we're, we're very, very nervous for that. Yeah, and I think you bring up good points on the Mets and the Mets fans. And, and okay, I understand, you know, they won 90 games. They're back where they were nine years ago. But at the same time, they played 57 games against the Braves, Phillies, and Marlins. The other team in their division they played 19 times was the Nationals, which is the biggest fraud franchise in professional sports in North America. So, I mean, they they sort of got handed, you know, a playoff berth, you know, on a red carpet here. And everyone talks about their big three and DeGrom and Syndergaard and Harvey, but, you know, that's nice, but their lineup's not very good outside of Cespedes. Uh, and I guess right when he's healthy, their bullpen's shaky, their manager's awful, and you would forget that they're going against Kershaw and Greinke, you know, out, you know, up there with Arietta. Those are probably the three best pitchers on the planet. They have to face two of them in games one and two. So I just, I don't really get how Mets fans could be this confident about their team's position. I think part of that is is that Greinke has like social anxiety, like diagnosed which I don't want to like poke fun at that, but 
that's a guy that I would probably want to face. If I'm going to face, if I'm going to face a dominant pitcher in a pressure spot, give me the guy with social anxiety. And Granky, or not Granky, but Kershaw, he might have it too. <laughs> he, might, he might be undiagnosed with social anxiety the way that he performs in the playoffs. So that would be like the one caveat with the Dodgers. Like, yes, they've got those two guys. But it's like those two guys, when it counts, have a tendency to, to be a little bit shaky. So um, I think that I, – like, I wouldn't be surprised if the Mets won that series. But I think whoever wins the Cubs cards uh, – will beat the winner of the other NLDS. Well, our, our Rangers Blackhawks podcast became the uh, <laughs> both season podcast. But... We went off the rail because we don't care. We don't care about hockey until, and you're, I know they haven't won it, but the Rangers are in the same boat. Like, you don't care about winning a division title. You don't care about Wednesday night. You guys are built for the playoffs, and that's the way it is. Well, I no, I agree, and I feel like when you come off you know, remembering what the last few springs and summers have brought the Rangers and those games and the intensity and the, you know, the hype leading up to them. And then when they take place to, to get ready for, a, you know, just a, a normal regular season game on MSG, uh, it's it's really, it is hard to get up for that. But for you as Mr. Blackhawk, uh, on Wednesday night, raising the banner, third Cubs, six years, the Cubs going at it, how do you sort of break down and divide your night and make sure, you know, maybe you don't care, maybe you care not enough that you don't even put an eye on the Blackhawks, but how do you spend your night to balance out the two? Well, I'll definitely have the Blackhawks pregame stuff on. So that like that's not a question. I'll I'll watch the um all the banner going off and all the pregame passing and all that. And that'll be great and I'll I'll blog that. And then I mean it might be one of those situations where you you move a TV into the you move a second TV into the room and you have the Blackhawks on mute and then you watch the Cubs. Um, so I, that's, I don't know how else you would handle that because like, this is like the Cubs have had such a magical season that you don't want to miss it because you're watching game one of 82. And I don't want to seem like I don't care about the Hawks because even though I've said that a hundred times on this podcast, because I do, like, I love the Blackhawks. I'm going to watch all 82 games in the playoffs. Like I, I'm just, I'm going to do that, but it, it's hard. It's just like, I don't care about like the, the swings from day to day, week to week, if they lose three in a row, like it, it, maybe it's just me being like uh, overly sensitive to it. Because in Chicago, like last February and March, people were talking about firing Coach Q and how stupid he is, and they got to get rid of him because he like benched Teravainen for a game against the Flyers. And it was like, what are you like? What are you talking about? Like, what are people just need to relax? Like everything will be fine come playoff time. They'll figure it out. They'll win, and they did. So that's kind of how I am. So I don't really get too up or too down during the regular season. Uh, I, I save that for the playoffs because I usually am on like the verge of, I usually eat a lot. I need nervous eating and then I almost throw it up from nerves. So that's how I handle the playoffs. The regular season, I'm just uh, on chill mode because I, I don't care. So I'm ready for, Cubs, for the Cubs to actually get it, get it going here. Well, the last few years, uh, because the Yankees were so bad, uh, well, they weren't actually even so bad. I mean, they were winning seasons, but on, on Yankees, uh, you know, rubric, they were bad, and they didn't make the playoffs, and the Giants got off to such bad starts that I had to turn to the Rangers right away to get me, 
you know, through October, November and bring me to the holiday season because uh, I, there was no Yankees, there was no Giants. It, it was pretty miserable. But, you know, this year the Giants are, are looking alive of late. The Yankees are in the playoffs at, at least of now or by the time this is posted, <laughs> that could be a train wreck. Um, <laughs> But for me, you know, I've always, you know, if I'm not at a game, if it's a big Yankees game or, or a big Rangers game, if I'm not actually physically at the game, you know, playoff game, big regular season game down the stretch, I'd rather, you know, be at my house on my couch, uh, you know, focused on the game, not at a bar, not going crazy. And you mentioned about, you know, having a TV, bring another TV in, you know, for you, for a big game, whether it's Blackhawks, Cubs, the Bears, if they ever have one, you know, how do you, where do you watch that game and how do you go about watching it? Well, because we do have to blog, um, it makes going out kind of difficult. So, or even just watching it socially difficult. So, like for the Blackhawks playoff games, we did we did do a couple. Like I went to a couple of our watch parties last year, but for the most part, I'm on my couch and like the game right is DVR. And if something happens, I go back and take a vine and catch up. You know, so it is. Like, I can't even watch it with other people in the room. One, because I'm, like, crazy person watching the Hawks in the playoffs. Like, with, you know, I'm jumping all around and or just, like, you know, shaking, nervous. <laughs> or I'm, like, doing annoying stuff. Like, if anyone else was doing that when I was trying to watch a game live, I would be, like, one of punching. So, I, so I'm really usually, like, I'm home alone watching, watching the game. It sounds, like, sad coming out of my own mouth. But I don't really do anything too social uh, with the Hawks. With the Cubs... Because if they do something wild where they actually make a deep run, that's one of those things where you want to be out and about. Like I, that was the one part of the Hawks thing where, like, I stayed home the clinching night and I blogged all like the WGN and the vines coming in from all the bars where people are spraying champagne and beer. And I was on my couch the night they clinched, just like putting it on the internet of what all the awesome times everyone else was having. So I would want to, which is fine, like, it's, it's whatever, like, that's kind of our role here, but I would want to partake if the Cubs actually did that. That would be, that would be something special, so I wouldn't want to miss out on that. So if the Cubs made a run, I would, like, make a point to go out to a bar somewhere uh, if they had a clinching game, but for the most part, I just, you know, just on the couch is what I do. All right, Chief. Well, big Wednesday night in Chicago. The Rangers are in town. The Cubs are in Pittsburgh. Uh, it's as big as it gets. And uh, for a hockey standpoint, it sucks that we had to talk on October 7th because the next time these two teams play is February 17th. So it'll be a while, and I wish they had waited a while to have this matchup so that we'd have a little more you know, in-depth discussion about actually what's going on in their, in their two seasons. But thanks for coming on. I know it's been a while. We haven't talked since they won. Um, and uh, we'll talk again, uh, hopefully, hopefully before February seventeenth, because that's a long ways away. It is a long way away. Don't be a stranger. <laughs> uh, yeah. So go Cubs, go Hawks, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.